Welcome to season four of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. Over the past three years, we've been featuring exciting guests, real conversations, and actions you can take to reach the biggest possible audience for your work. We'll continue that this season, and we're taking it up a notch as we seek to bring you cutting-edge insights not only about marketing, but about all aspects of your journey as an author. We can't wait to share everything you'll need to be successful in spreading your important work with the world. I'm Becky Robinson, your host for the Book Marketing Action Podcast. I'm also the founder and CEO of Weaving Influence, the author of Reach, Create the Biggest Possible Audience for Your Message, Book, or Cause, and a strategic book marketer, avid reader, runner, mom, and wife. Thank you for choosing to learn with me, and I hope you'll take action as a result of listening to this show. If you benefit from the show, please subscribe, rate, and review to help us reach more listeners. Also, be sure to visit weavinginfluence.com and click the blog tab to find all the notes and links for each show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. I'm your host, Becky Robinson, and I am so excited to be with our special guest today. We have Nancy Sheed, who is a repeat guest to this show, and we have her sister. How fun is that? Um, Holland Salzman, and we are going to be talking about this exciting new development um, in the world of bestseller lists for books and authors. Um, So what I thought we would do as we get started first, I'm going to let Nancy and Holland introduce themselves, and then we're going to give you a bit of context about bestseller lists in general before we talk about the exciting new developments for authors and independent bookstores. Awesome. Thanks for having us, Becky. I'm Nancy Sheed of Sheed Communications. And last time I was on, we talked about author platforms, and this is like a kind of a nice segue into how authors, you know, can continue to build their platform. So thanks for having me. Of course. And if you missed that episode, the first one with Nancy, I encourage you to go back to it because it is amazing. We'll put the link to that first episode in the show notes so you can find it. I'm Holland Saltzman, and I am the owner of The Novel Neighbor in St. Louis, Missouri, and we opened in about 2014, an independent, we like to say more than a bookstore, so not only are we a bookstore, but we uh, house locally crafted items, kind of merchandise and fun gifts, and then have community meeting spaces, as well as we're known for our mystery boxes and other fun subscription services. Amazing. And this is kind of a fun note. I think this is the first time I've ever had a bookstore owner on the podcast. Awesome. (laughs) Yes. So for those of you who are out and about traveling this summer, I encourage you to put Holland and her team at the Novel Neighbor on your itinerary. All right. So let's dive into our conversation. We want to talk about this exciting development of the USA Today bestseller list coming back. And I'm betting that some of our listeners don't really know a lot about the big bestseller list and may not have even known that the USA Today list had been stopped. So let's first talk about what are the bestseller lists that most authors pay attention to and why are they not necessarily um, attainable for most authors? I'm happy to start um, not pretending to even be the, the expert on this, but when we were talking to USA Today and doing the research, you know, the ones that are more, most well known are the New York Times. And, you know, I think it's secondary, depending on if you're what type of an author you are, obviously the, the Wall Street Journal. Um, but as you know, Becky, a lot, a lot of people like to call themselves best selling authors, right? So at the other end of the spectrum, you have that behemoth, which we we all name where people, you know, can sell their books. Um, and 
you know, that other end of the spectrum, you can sell your book on Amazon and be a bestseller in these teeny tiny, you know, categories that are very small and, you know, very obscure, but it, you know, it gives people the opportunity to say, I was a bestseller on Amazon. Right. So, so at one end of the spectrum, you have that the other end of the spectrum, you have the New York times and the wall street journal. And, you know, there was kind of, there's nothing, there's nothing in between. So I think this is what's really important and where the USA Today list fits back kind of in that spectrum. So let me add a little bit of context for those who might not know. For business nonfiction authors to get on the New York Times bestseller list, what I've heard uh, and observed is that authors need to sell 10 to 12,000 copies in a week. And um, New York Times is a curated list. So even if you sell that many in a week, um, according to BookScan, which reports on the sales, you still may not make the list. Right. So the New York Times is a curated list. It's curated from the BookScan numbers. The Wall Street Journal list seems like somewhat more attainable for those business nonfiction authors who have a hardcover. In fact, just this year, I worked with a client and got him on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list uh, through a really strategic and multi-pronged campaign. Um, and I think in order to get on the Wall Street Journal list, uh, where he debuted at number four, he sold about 5,200 copies that week. So for most authors to sell that many copies in a year is nearly impossible, exactly. let alone in a week. So this is why the re-emergence of the USA Today list is so exciting. So do either of you know why and when the USA Today uh, list stopped or paused? Holland, you want to go? went on hiatus, they said. It went on hiatus uh, in December, and they wanted to figure out a way to bring some more attention back to it. It had maybe become a little flat, might be the best way to say it. And they knew that people, it was important to authors, it was certainly important to publishers, and they've always referred to it as the people's list. But for whatever reason, it just was not getting the attention that they had hoped. So they wanted to kind of step away for a minute and, you know, repackage, if you will, and figure out a way to uh, bring it back, bring more attention and make it more exciting for everybody who really loved this list. And they also wanted to automate it. I'd like to add, like they also were trying to find a way to, um, to automate it and make it much more data-driven back to your point of not, not having a curated list, but making it very data-driven and what was happening before was it was a very heavy manual list. There was somebody who actually used to do this. It was like a full-time job. Um, so that was the other goal was to make this a much more automated data-driven list as well. Was the USA Today list uh, prior to the hiatus in December 2022, was that fed at all by BookScan or what, what was driving the manual selection of the people on the list? I think it was a manual combining of all the numbers. I mean, I really think it was like getting things formatted in ways so that apples to apples to apples was, you know, it was just more of a compiling and data config so you know, still data not, issue. Yeah, still not heavy still not heavy edited, but it just was no one was sending their information in the same ways. And it just was a lot of yeah, you're better with the data technical speak, Nan. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's talk about. Uh, what's different about the list now. So Holland, you said they wanted to bring it back in a way that could be more reflective of what the people want, more exciting, uh, more helpful. So what's what's new? And maybe even just share the the, the recent history of, of the list reemerging. Sure. What 
when I, I think the first conversation that uh, Nancy and myself and a couple of people, when we came around the table to talk with USA kind of Gannett about what they wanted to bring back, what they wanted to keep the same, and then they were just really open to other ideas, it came very quickly that they are huge supporters of independent bookstores. And so how could that be more reflected, not only in the list, but in what they're doing kind of in steps beyond that? So what are ways that we as independent booksellers report our numbers that could be reflected in the list, as well as one way that they'd always kind of linked, you know, when you have all their bestsellers and you've got your list, they have links to where to go purchase them. And so we started talking about bookshop.org, which is such a phenomenal organization that 10% of every book sale goes back to independent bookstores. And so very uh, quickly to really talk about having people become educated about bookshop.org, have their money go towards bookshop.org so that in the purchases that they're making, it's supporting independent bookstores in addition to having people put their data in and some of their bestsellers so that it can be a more reflective list than just online retailers. Anything to add there, Nance? Well, we haven't quite gotten there, but but that's specific to the list. But in addition to the list, there is now more featured um, sort of featured content. And, and one of those new pieces every week is a profile of an independent bookstore somewhere in the United States. So again, you know, in addition to what the list is reflecting and how the list is actually kind of integrating it independent bookstores into its actual ecosystem, there's going to be content around it. So, um, it, you know, and, and again, it's kind of sort of to bring people together in the community around books. I'm not sure when this is posted, but Midtown Readers was the featured indie of this week. And it's just, you know, they're in Tallahassee and I've gotten to know because we're sort of helping curate some of the information just in a way that it gets it and to, uh, to Gannett and to USA Today to be able to highlight these bookstores and finding I've gone to conferences. I certainly know other uh, business owners. I've met other booksellers, but to really kind of learn the history of them and what they're known for. And, you know, the questions that we ask are kind of like, what are books you can't keep on the shelves? What are books that you want more attention to? So even within these highlighting of the indie bookstores, it's also giving them a chance to highlight some of their favorite authors and to, you know, uh, you know, what are things you're looking forward to in the first, in the next three months, so they can even highlight pre-orders. So the, so not only are you getting to know all these diverse and wonderful places, you're also having each one of them uniquely show some of their unique kind of books that they're trying to hand sell and what makes each one of them a little more special. So I'm curious, is this an online spaces that USA Today is highlighting the independent stores or is it also in the print paper? From what I understand, the uh, we we launched the the bestseller list is Monday morning, uh, sorry Wednesday mornings at six a.m. and then it's in the print paper on Thursdays. And typically, some of this curated content that Nancy referenced comes out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Whether it's this, um, there's some unique content coming from one of our staff members, and there's some highlighting of a. Dear Abby, kind of dear bookseller thing that we could talk about. And those kind of trickle. Right now, they're all online, but every once in a while, one of them may pop and end up in the print. It's just been four weeks so far and it hasn't happened yet. Got it. Okay. So this is really super exciting for those of us who love books, and I am one of them. Um, what other kind of content do our listeners need to know about, or what other features of this list that's different from you know, the mainstream lists? 
and I guess it's a mainstream list, but I mean like different from the the other lists. Well, kind of, I'm going to break that into two. I'm going to let Holland talk about the the fe- featured content, and um, but with regard to the list, I, I think you know what our USA Today friends have said is this is a start. We hope to have more features. So, you know, what would be you know on the docket, what would be really great is to be able to slice and dice it a little more. We just talked about how, you know, you can kind of dive down in genres and Becky, you and I work in the nonfiction space, right? Like I would love for you to go to the USA Today list and say, Hey, I'm the number one bestseller in nonfiction and have it, you know, be filtered that way. They're not quite there yet. Um, I hope that's coming, but I think those, if you could have that interactive feature with this list and go down in the genres, just a little bit, not, 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 you know, not too far down, but, but so that a romance, you know, that a romance writer could say, Hey, I'm the number one romance writer on the USA Today list would be great for authors, right? Like here's a nationally recognized list that you truly are a bestseller of to compete again, compete with the other lists that are not as achievable for most authors. Um, That's what I'm looking forward to Holland. An example of that is we had an author, Julie Soto, who is a debut author and she is on tour now. And it would be very tricky for her with, even though there's solid great numbers and it's such a great book to hit some of the other lists, but she came in in I think number 30 or right around there this week, which was they were already putting social media out about it. She, her publisher and everywhere, she's a USA Today bestselling author and it, it gives this opportunity for some, you know, Nancy and I, I think when we were getting to see some of the preliminary lists before it actually launched, just to make sure that everything seemed to be from our perspective of knowing kind of the book world a little differently than other people who were working on this project, where did everything look like it was reading correctly? Is there any books that were on there that seemed out of place? Just, just to kind of, everybody's learning through it. And I think we saw some, uh, there was a self-published author on there. There was definitely some nonfiction. And to be able to see those within this list is wonderful. Well, so let's talk a little bit about that because I'm still not clear exactly. So when you look at, say, like the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, they do divide. Sometimes they divide like paperback and hardcover. They divide fiction and nonfiction. So what's the what's comprises the current USA Today list and what kind of titles are showing up in these first few weeks? I would say that some of, I would say maybe three quarters are similar to what you're seeing in some of the other lists. You know, the, the book Fourth Wing, none of us can keep it in stock. They had a specialized edition when it first came out. People keep pre-ordering it because the publisher can't keep up. That's on everybody's list. Colleen Hoover, has been on you know three of the top 10 spots on everybody's list, I think going on six months now. I don't think that's gonna change anytime soon. But some of these debut authors or some of these nonfiction titles that let's say they have an event with Joseph Beth in Kentucky or another place that they're you know on tour every week, whether it's a children's author, those are starting to get a little higher placement on the USA Today list just because of kind of how it's reporting and where it's happening. So I think even though the sorting might be a little bit different and like Nancy said, they're kind of still working out some things, it's just an opportunity for this 150 to really get a great breadth of what the people are reading. Because even if you're number 89, that's still 89 across the country. And you know, to be able to be on that list is phenomenal. 
to get really specific, the USA Today list is the list of the top 150 best-selling books. And these are print books from any genre, hardcover or paperback. Is that right? Correct. Yes. So Holland, can you tell us the criteria to get on the list? I can tell you that if you want specifics, because I'm probably going to not remember everything, but on the USA Today bestseller list page, it lists who all contributes their sales information to this list. So there's certainly online retailers. There are still some bricks and mortars that, you know, books a million, which is online and in-store, definitely contributes still to this. There's some big box stores that still contribute to this list. And in addition, there are specific indie bookstores. And I know that they're working with the American Booksellers Association because we as independent bookstores report sales to them. So they're working on the timing and some of the data technology transmission to see if there's a point that they could include all of the information that ABA is collecting as well. In the meantime, they've provided an email address so that if any bookstore wants to individually report their sales to the USA Today list, they are welcome to and they welcome it. In addition, we're working with bookshop.org, which if you go look at the bookshop, uh, sorry, the bestseller list now, the bookshop.org is the highlighted accentuated, whatever word you want to use gloriously um, as the suggested and encouraged way, to, if you're going to buy your book online through this bestseller list is to go to bookshop because 10% goes back to indie bookstores. Now, there are other links and ways to buy it and things like that. So it is a huge, uh, exciting thing for all independent bookstores because collectively we all receive from bookshops. So, um, bookshop.org is reporting to the USA Today list as well. It not not consistently and they're not listed. I think they're working. It, it's one of the groups that is that is working uh, with them for sure uh, in the sales, as well as I think they're getting some of the sales information. But as Nancy had said, some of these are still happening. Okay. So it sounds like this is an organic list that represents the true sales that are happening in the retailers that are reporting to this list. So suppose I'm an author and I dream of getting the credibility of a big list. Is there something that I could or should be doing to increase the likelihood of my landing on the top 150 on the USA Today list? I think the, um, I think there's not, you know, I think to your point, you've already worked with authors who have strategies. I think it is, as you know, like a, the, the big, big book sales as you come out. And, you know, as Holland just pointed out, like if you make it to number 89 and then you make more hay, you know, that you made it to 89 or even if it was 141, right? Like that gives you the credibility to also build there. So I think um, having an understanding of, you know, as you said, what book sales numbers are to kind of make it to 150 at this point, I don't, I don't, I don't have that at my fingertips to know. Um, and obviously from week to week, it's going to depend on what those numbers are, right? Because if you're coming out the same week as a huge bestseller, you know, you, you we don't want to go out against John Grisham, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, that week might not be the same number that we'd be required as, as another week because it is very data-driven. Um, so I think there's not a specific benchmark, but I think as Holland explained, there's a, there's a better chance in that, um, you know, some concentrated efforts of, of some bigger book sales would be really smart or just making sure you're well represented in a lot of places. And, you know, as, as Holland said, maybe you've gotten yourself on everybody's 
um, can't wait to read list and done a really smart pre-sale strategy. So I think there are a couple of angles to get in there. Sure. I'm just curious from a business nonfiction perspective, though, it seems like in terms of the market in general, more fiction sells than nonfiction. So if this is a list that combines those nonfiction authors may be facing a harder path than a fiction author might. Yes. And having said that, I want to say that an independently published nonfiction book came out in the top 10 in one of the first few weeks we came out. So that's why I I don't think we can say anything definitively. Um, And, you know, again, it might have been a great week for book sales, or it may have been an event of 3,500, you know, or 5,000 people that they sold that book at. But uh, yes, and that's why I really, I look forward to them being able to kind of slice and dice it. And of course, that's why the Wall Street Journal does theirs, right? There's the fiction and the nonfiction. And there's a reason to break those out. So what else should authors know, Nancy, about this list and how it is helping to support independent booksellers? Well, I I think that's, uh, Becky, what's really been fun about this project is is coming from the world of thinking about it through the author's lens, right? And then Holland coming through from the lens of how this is helping independent booksellers. And I kind of think it's lovely to be that this is a complementary relationship versus a lot of, a lot of, um, especially in the nonfiction space have been said, like, it's really hard to sell your books, you know, with independent booksellers, if you're not traditionally published, right? Like, I, I think we're kind of trying to make this community a much more friendly place to figure out how can we support independent booksellers? How can more authors get their books seen? And this list is kind of feeling like a very organic way to get everybody like, talking nicely and getting better visibility than they might otherwise have had. Holland, I wonder if you'd be willing to talk about how independently published authors may get their book on the shelves of a brick and mortar store like yours. It is a different answer for every independent bookstore. And that we as independent bookstore owners have talked about, we've shared resources of how, whether it's applications or uh, do you have a stocking fee and how do you prefer to be reached out to? And do you, you know, do you have staff that actually can review copies or do you just take them as is? So it really is each independent bookstore specific. And I know that's maybe not helpful, but that's how we each have to approach it differently because of the size of our store, what our events teams are like. But I think it is calling and looking online and finding exactly what it is. And that can be very time consuming because even in our St. Louis area, we have a lot of, sorry, there's lots of sirens and Manhattan right now. We can't hear them. <laughs> okay, great. Because um, so that that way there are, uh, it, it could be time consuming and I'm sure it can be frustrating, but if the policies and the ways aren't followed, they sometimes won't get any attention. And, you know, we have actually a new bookstore in St. Louis uh, called Spine that only works with, I believe, independent um, and small press authors. And that is because they really wanted to create a space. And I think you might start seeing more of that because then they can cater to that community and offer a lot more resources and spend some time and attention that other bookstores might not be able to. So I think it's also constantly evolving. So would you share with us how you approach it at the Novel Neighbor, just so that our listeners can understand a bit of what might be possible? Absolutely. So we have an application online that's under our section that simply says, 
if you are interested in being a consignment author, because if if we can't get it through a traditional um, publisher that we already have a relationship with, and if it's not available through our wholesaler, which is Ingram, then we have to do a consignment. And so there is kind of a step that they apply. We have a $25 application fee. They send three copies and we then have a special space in the store for uh, local, we call it local, small press, independently published authors. But if they are only published with Amazon, we do not stock them because, I mean, just as as it is, that is a direct competitor for someone who is trying to put us out of business, who we don't agree with their practices, who I pay more taxes than. So for many reasons, but those authors, if that's the only avenue they had, they can still rent one of our event space and, and host a signing and we still welcome them in the store. We just can't promote it in the same way that we would uh, throughout the other channels. So they just simply fill out this application. They bring copies of the books in and we then, then they're on the website so that people can order. So they then can share the link. And if they want to, you know, we talk about what the different arrangements are. If they want to uh, use an event space to host a signing or collectively we'll do kind of a, uh, I think five or six authors, maybe a few times a year, will bring them in together so they can kind of maybe pull from each other's audiences. So we try to find many ways to work with them, but we don't necessarily vet, we don't read, we don't edit. Um, and so we will take a quick glance, but we get asked a lot of times for, you know, do you know a publisher? Do you know an agent? Can you edit this book? Can you do that? And we are not in that business at all. So we, but we've compiled resources then to share if we get asked those questions. Got it. So for most um, self-published authors, I've been encouraging people to distribute their book through Ingram. So they do have the possibility of brick and mortar. And that's what I'm hearing you say. Um, There's a huge downside to going with Amazon only. And that is most brick and mortar independent stores will not be able to stock you. Correct. Yes. And I can say that on behalf of working with clients whose books were not with Ingram, it's an uphill battle. Yeah, it's very, very tricky. So it's a great reason to check out Ingram and what they're doing for authors. Okay, so what else um, would you like our listeners to know about this new exciting USA Today list that we haven't spoken about yet? I'll talk a little bit more about some curated content that they are working with us individually on that we're hoping, you know, gets some more excitement and maybe attention and optics on, you know, just sort of their, they've had book news happening still. So even when the list went on hiatus, they've got some, um, they've got great, you know, there's a, they can sign up for any newsletters, but they specifically have a book newsletter so that there's still great content coming from it. But we have our director of social media, Cassie King, who's known for like books as looks and some really relevant contemporary fun social media is doing a some original content for them every week. So like this week, it's Barbie books as looks since that's everywhere and kind of making suggestions. There you go. <laughs> Perfectly on brand. Um, as well as we, one of the things as we were just throwing everything against the wall when we were starting to have these conversations, we started doing these mystery boxes during the pandemic when someone would maybe call and they couldn't come in the store to say, oh, I've got a nephew, I need to get something for he likes soccer, rainbows, uh, graphic novels, and I've got $50. We're like, 
okay, we got this. And I've got a neighbor who's retiring who, you know, likes whiskey and gardening and nonfiction. Great, we got this. So we've turned those into something that people apply for online. And we've started to get really heartfelt letters and applications, whether for themselves or for someone else. So every week also we're sharing one of those letters almost in a Dear Abby type of way, uh, but it's called Dear Booksellers. And we've gotten permission from the people to share sort of their story. Somebody talks about how May is a hard month because they lost their mom, but they really love reading about mother-daughter relationships or somebody who is, you know, left a job, lays behind him and they need some empowerment and, you know, just some really fun, or somebody's like, staff reads, just give me your top six staff reads. So that's also been a really fun thing that's hopefully people are starting to turn into is to kind of reading those on a weekly basis. And, you know, if it sounds like you, or if you're trying to get something, it's just all these great suggestions of what we did recommend. And then maybe what's coming up next that we would recommend. Nice. I'm just looking at, I'm looking at today is and it's dear bookseller. Uh, I'm a freshman in college, which means I'm leaving my whole childhood behind and beginning to be an adult give me some books that keep me accompanied in my new college environment and keep me connected to my childlike self as I move in this next phase of my life. And there are these amazing book recommendations. I love that. It's really it. fun. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Nancy. And thank you, Holland, for taking the time to talk with me today about this exciting new bestseller list. And I know if you're listening, you may have still questions about making a bestseller list and whether or not the USA Today list is a list that you may be able to land on. Um, so I do want to leave you with a few takeaways. I think my first takeaway would be check out the list. Um, take a look at the books that are showing up there. Take a look at um, the criteria and the data that's being gathered to fuel this list. It may give you some ideas as you craft your strategy. Um, the second takeaway I'd love to have you um, consider is as you're planning your book marketing strategy, consider what part uh, you can play in supporting independent booksellers. And, you know, as I guide authors, quite often we're talking about sending traffic to bookshop uh, rather than to other uh, big online retailers. And, you know, even when we do that, still people default always to the big on, online retailer. But um, if you're listening today, you know, potentially one of the upsides of fueling a campaign where you're sending sales to independent stores is it might increase the likelihood that you could land on a list like the USA Today list. And also, you're going to just make our country better because who doesn't love to wander into an independent store and see all the fun gifts and books they have available and see the recommendations of real people recommending real books, right? We all want that. Um, independent bookstores are like the best place to be. So if you are planning a book marketing campaign, consider how you could um, support bookstores so they can stay open. Um, okay, so as we wrap up the episode, I'm curious uh, to hear from you, Nancy, and to hear from you, Holland, about the best ways for our listeners to stay in touch with you and your work. Uh, thanks, Becky. This was fantastic and fun. And I, I love how you've sort of pulled all these threads together, both for authors and the booksellers. Um, I can be found at nancysheed.com. And um, if social is your way, I am on um, LinkedIn, Nancy Sheed. And on Instagram, I am SheSalt, S-H-E-E-S-A-L-T. Um, and thank you for having us today. And on threads too. We're having oh, a lot yeah, of fun threads. over there. That's right. On threads. Shout out to Bookshop. For the Novel Neighbor, we are on all the social media channels at Novel Neighbor. We're at novelneighbor.com. So if you're wanting to, we have online book sales as well as all of our events. 
Most of them have turned in person. Uh, so if you're locally, we'd love to have you join us. We have nine book clubs, but we also do have one virtual book club still available. So even if you're not local, we'd still love to be able to have you show up there and talk books with us. Uh, personally, I'm at Holland Says, H-O-L-L-A-N-D-S-A-Y-S um, on Instagram. And otherwise, uh, stop by next time you're in St. Louis. Okay. And All I right. just have to say, they, sorry, I'm interrupting, but Novel Neighbor does really good book talk. I mean, really good book talk. Doesn't matter where you live, they do great book talk. So I, I, you you need to follow them in the in either TikTok or the reels. They're so good. Thank that's you, a, Nance. That's a good recommendation. Okay, so on recent episodes, I'm trying something new. My name is Becky, of course. Um, my real name is Rebecca. My husband said I should start making Rebecca mendations book recommendations from Rebecca, right? So I'm going to ask each of you, what are you reading that our listeners should be reading? My favorite book that's come out from summer is called On Earth As It Is On Television by Emily Jane. And I was lucky enough to get an advanced copy of this uh, probably back in April. And I laughed out loud, as Nancy would say, I guffawed more than one time the characters are charming. It's got a little bit of fantasy to it, but mostly it's contemporary, phenomenal characters. And as soon as I finished it, I handed it to my friend next to me who also finished it in a day. And it has been such a treat to read and recommend. So that is top of my list right now. Nancy, how about you? Okay. This is going to be, um, this is a shameless plug for a, for a, a client, full disclosure, but it's called Whole Child, Whole Life. It's by Stephanie Malia Krause. And if this is airing in September, it's just the perfect book for parents, educators, um, coaches, anybody who cares for kids or cares about kids. It's just this wonderful holistic book about how we can help kids thrive. And so I, it doesn't matter age or stage, whether you have kids or not. It's a really, really, really good book that everybody should have. All right. Well, that was fun. You can't do a podcast about books and loving books without actually talking about some. So thanks to you both. Uh, for anyone who's listening, if I can be of any help to you, you can always email me. I am Becky at weavinginfluence.com. If you're gaining value from this show, we would love to have you rate and subscribe and all of those things that can help us reach more listeners. Thanks so much and have a great day. Thanks, Becky. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Book Marketing Action Podcast. If you haven't already, I hope you'll buy a copy of my new book, Reach. Create the biggest possible audience for your message, book, or cause. When you buy the book, you'll unlock a free course of Reach resources with more than 50 additional learning resources available exclusively for those who buy the book. Find out more and find links to buy the book at beckyrobinson.com forward slash book. If you've already read the book, I'd appreciate an Amazon review. Thanks. 